after, you know, we left Romania, a friend of hers was telling me that every three months they would round them up at work, all the women in the country, at the job, they would come in and you would get a gynecological exam to make sure that you weren't pregnant. Welcome to the Audacious Founder Podcast. This is a podcast for entrepreneurial women. It's going to help you build confidence, obliterate mental blocks, gain knowledge, and harness the audacity to start your business, grow your business, or just start living your life with a whole lot more fucking audacity than you have been. My name's Melissa Manning. I've founded and co-founded more than 13 businesses in 10 years, and I've got more than 45,000 hours of business operating experience that I want to share with you. And I am here to A, learn more because we're never effing done, and B, get you to a new level. Hi, and welcome back to the Audacious Founder Podcast. My name is Melissa Manning. I am your host and Audacity Coach. This episode is with my good friend and boudoir photographer, Andrea B. Ballin. This is part two of an earlier episode that we published this week. The first episode had to do with believing in our power, seeing beauty in ourselves, dealing with the fear of success and imposter syndrome, the subtle ways that we invalidate ourselves, and Andrea's journey of finally allowing herself to pursue her passion. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we know what we should be doing, but we find all of these little reasons and excuses and justifications for not doing it? This can go as small as, you know, not doing the laundry or not washing the dishes, or it could go as big as depriving yourself of following your passion. So Andrea's story in the last episode about how long and how many jobs she had to go through and how many little hints there were along the line for her to finally start pursuing photography as her full-time career, it's just really interesting and I think a lot of us can relate to that. If you don't know what boudoir is, it is a photography style featuring intimate, sensual, romantic, and sometimes erotic images that are usually done for either themselves or for their romantic partners as a gift. So I myself did a boudoir photography session, not with Andrea. Sadly, I moved out of New York before I had a chance to do it, but with somebody who lives uh, in South Florida. And it was such a great experience. I've done, I would call it one and a half now because she invited me back to do a a group session uh, that she could use as promotion. So and and what I will say about my own experience is that it's really helped me own my sensuality. It really helped me um, see myself in a different light. And I mentioned, I think, either in the the first episode with Andrea or in this episode, that for a long time I never was able to see myself as sexy. I was always the cute girl. And so this really allowed me to step into a different role, um, an alter ego, if you will. And so by that half session that I did, I felt much more comfortable in my body being around other people in, you know, these scant clothing. Um, And it was just really fun. I could enjoy it more. I didn't feel so self-conscious and it was very empowering. Um, 
so also this episode I want it to be noted that this episode was recorded before the Supreme Court made their decision about abortion but we are talking about it and Andrea has a lot of things to say about where she came from which was Romania and about the experience of her mother her mother's friends she was lucky enough to leave before she herself had to experience a lot of these things but nonetheless it is a portrait of a time that we in the U.S. do not want to go back to uh, and this decision by the Supreme Court is a scary taste of it because there's no telling where this could lead. I mean, actually, we have ideas of where this can lead and they don't look good. I personally don't believe that anybody should be making a decision for anybody else at all, especially when it comes to their body. Um, This country was founded on freedom, right? And on choice and on independence. And that is not what we are experiencing at the moment. And I think it's important to note that there are still a lot of countries that this is the norm. They, They have never even reached a point that the U.S. has gotten to, and the U.S. has held that standard, and now that standard is being lowered. So globally, it's a punch to the gut as well, because now these other countries have nothing to strive towards, you know? They have, the the citizens of these countries have nothing to hope for. If the U.S., who's always been an emblem of freedom, isn't that any longer, how can they hope that their countries will get to that point? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a very sad moment for us, for all of us, men and women. Take a listen and let me know what you think. Leave me a comment. If you liked this episode, if you loved what Andrea had to say, leave us a five-star review. Um, This is some important stuff, so a lot of people should be hearing this. If you are interested in getting photographs done and you live in New York or you're willing to travel to New York, absolutely contact her through her website. She would be delighted to hear from you. And let's get into it. When you think of movie stars who are not necessarily Hollywood gorgeous, but you're like, they were sex bombs, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they stood in that power and they walked in like, the world is my oyster. And that is so sexy, mm-hmm. right? That confidence. And sometimes you got to fake it to make it. Now, that's not to say, right, that you're like, my poop don't stink or, you know, I'm hotter than the rest of the world. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just like, I own this place. I own this room. I deserve I own to my be present. Yeah. I deserve to be here yeah. just like everybody else. And that's attractive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I also, that reminds me too of something that I was talking to one of, I I forget who it was on the podcast that I was talking to, but I feel like a lot of times we walk into the room and we want to just hide. You know, we, we just kind of want to skirt behind some other people, just like grab a drink and just kind of like hide out on the side or behind people. But I think the goal should be to walk into the room and say, yes, I own it, but also look at me. I deserve to be here. I'm here. Come talk to me. Like you want to talk to me. And if you don't, you should, because I got stuff to say. Right. And I think a lot of people can't or haven't gotten to the point where they can really say that. 
And if they can't say that about themselves, how is somebody else going to say that about them? And it's not about the look. It's about when I was 13 years old, I was super shy, so shy. I had only been in the States for three years. I still had an accent always funny hair. <laughs> like even when my mom stopped gutting my hair, you know, it was like the 80s and that whole like I love Tina Turner. <laughs> Tina Turner meets Axel Rose. Imagine that. Oh my- <laughs> it was like crimped, teased, you know, sprayed <laughs> with stiff stuff. Can you please send that. me a picture of that? Because I'd love to well, post it when you I'm posting about this. Why? No shame. Oh my God. So, you know, like, uh, and I never felt like I fit in, not in Romania. You know, I was like, well, you're the smart kid. So we don't want to talk to you. And then here, you know, to be smart, to be successful. We don't want to talk to you. We don't want to be around you. You're the know-it-all. See? Always, always. And so at first I was very broken that I didn't fit in. And then it was like, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm you okay. Embraced it. But right. Not just embraced it, but I decided to be a complete opposite of who I, I really was. Huh. So um, you know, say what I think, be who I want to be, uh, just stand out, be the misfit don't judge a book by its cover. You know, I was getting straight A's and honor student and whatever, but people looked at me and, you know, I was a metalhead. I I became allergic to the hairspray. I I went like this and there was like pizza forehead. So my mom was like, you are not allowed to use hairspray. And I was like, Oh yeah. So I grew my bangs down to here. I look like cousin it meets one of the Ramones. I used to wear like (laughs) leather jacket and ripped jeans. And I would walk into, you know, the accelerated classes and kids would be like, you're in the wrong class. (laughs) Detention is that way. Or like, I heard she got left behind three times, you know, like all of these (laughs) untruths because it was like disconnect the way that I looked. Uh You didn't look like a nerd. I didn't look like a nerd. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I look like a hippie and I used to wear like velvet jackets and long flowy skirts and that hasn't changed much, you know? And I realized it's okay to be whoever the hell I want to be, you know? And, And even young, it was like, oh, she's a slut. I remember being 12, 12. I went to a school dance and an older eighth grader, he danced with me and he made out with me on the dance floor. In eighth grade? Oh, I he was, was in eighth grade. You were 12. He was in eighth. I was in sixth. <gasps> I was 12 years old. So he made out with me on the dance floor. I You're go back to I go back to school on Monday and it was like, they had sex under the table in the cafeteria, you know, like she's a slut. Um, my boobs went from an A to a C talking about, you know, body shame, like self body shame over the summer. And so, you know, it was like, you know, that, that slut who stuffs her bra, they used to like throw tissue paper at me in the cafeteria, even though they saw me changing in gym, Uh right? Like all of these things. And I was like, well, I know the truth. I know that I just kissed him and I loved kissing him. We kissed for like five songs. 
I don't know if you can't tell I love kissing and I haven't been kissed in a while like honey we need to make out um and I was like I could laugh about it and that's the other thing too when people say things about you that you know aren't true and you don't allow them to get to you it steals away from their power when you're laughing in their face oh absolutely right and you don't allow it to get to, to you. affect you. Right. That's actually what I tell my daughter all the time. If anybody ever says something mean to you, say something nice back to them and it'll freak them out. It'll freak. They won't know what to do. Uh, but wow. that also reminds me when I was in third grade, I got called by another third grader, a roller coaster. What? Because everybody gets a ride <laughs> oh in God. third grade. I'm I hadn't sorry. even been kissed yet. I didn't have a first kiss till I was in seventh grade. Maybe that's why I waited till seventh grade because I was afraid somebody would call me another carnival ride. Look. And then, and then I punched him. We were in the Go hallway, ahead. we were in line and I heard him saying these things. And so I walked over and I don't remember if I punched him in the face or the chest. I want to say I punched him in the chest and then I got in trouble. Of course. For punching him. But of then, it, you know, then he got in trouble because then I started crying and I told the whole story. But third grade. Kids I mean, that, are was, that was an, yeah, that was an effed up. I feel like, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen. Annabella hasn't told me that people are saying things like that to each other. I hope. It's me. I'll, I'll attest. Yeah. And I, he had older brothers. So I think he got that. It sounds like something that maybe they would have said. And then he of just course. repeated it, not even realizing fully what it meant. It, 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 it starts in, it starts in the family. Mm-hmm. They hear it. Parents, like you said, you know, cousins, brothers, I have a curvaceous body type. And like I said, you know, a to a C at 12, um, I was fitting in my mom's wedding dress when I was 10 by 12. I couldn't fit into it. Right. That kind of thing. And at the time, Thundercats, I don't know if you know it, but it was this cartoon with like these cool cats and it was like thunder, thunder, thundercats. And there was this guy and he was so pissed off that I would beat him on all the tests, but he (laughs) apparently, you know, found my Achilles heel. And every time I would walk into the class, he would be like thunder, thunder, thunder thighs. So, you know, thunder thighs, but because I was really tall, like, you know, <laughs> boys my age wanted to dance with me because they came here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I was also 5'7 at 12. Um, so, you know, it was like Andre the Giant or Aww. Thundercats. And, and you could internalize these things and yeah. you do, right? You're a kid. Yeah. Um, and then you laugh about them. I think in a way being, you know, not taking things too seriously about yourself. I think that's also a quality in people that's kind of sexy, like being mm. right, like down to earth and just not, you know, just brushing things off, yeah. not taking them too seriously, not taking yourself. I mean, yes, own your power, right. but don't, don't. Well, but that's what confidence is, right? When you have really internal self-love and when you are really confident, anybody can say whatever they want about you. I mean, it's, it, it's never going to feel good, but you're able to just be like, okay, sure. Think that if you like, I'm going to go this way, (laughs) you know? And, and I think that's what more people need to cultivate 
because we can't always just be like, no, I'm right. And you're wrong and blah, blah, blah. You know, that doesn't get us anywhere. So it has to just be like, okay, you know what? You have your opinion. You have what makes you happy. I'm going to go over here and figure out what makes me happy and who I am and what's important to me. And that's why, you know, when I do think of my boudoir clients, a lot of them reach out to me and, you know, it's like, it's an anniversary gift for the husband or I'm getting married or whatever. I always say the same thing at the end of the day, it's always about you. This is a gift for you. This is a gift that you will treasure that is all, all, all about you. You will learn so many things about yourself. You will love so many things about yourself and then it won't matter, right? And then you will be able to hear the things that are positive and take them in, right? Because that's the thing with confidence too. When you're not confident, you're not really able to take a compliment. Right. Right, People say something and you need to deflect like, oh, that's not me or, you know, like in a way. Right. But when like, but when you are confident, you realize that accepting that compliment is a love that you're also giving to the other person who gave it to you. Right. 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 So then you can say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Like, I appreciate that. I I, I take that in with gratitude. I take that in with love. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just a part of blossoming I think (laughs) Um, as a human being and I think that as women too we're taught to be small to not take compliments to deflect to make ourselves unseen less sexy less 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 and then it's okay to be like you know what you could be all that you want to be you can embrace all the sides of yourself that you want to right? Uh, all of your personality, the masculine, the feminine, it's okay. Right. Well, that, um, that's actually an interesting thing too. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they can be masculine and feminine at the same time, that they can have characteristics of both and that that's okay. That balance. I mean, that's what is important is like, you need both of those to find I don't even know if this makes sense, but like, I feel like you need both of those so that you can find your center. Um, I feel like men have a lot, a hard time with that, you know, obviously embracing their feminine qualities. Um, and I think women sometimes lean towards the masculine because that feels safer or that feels like it's going to get them more of what they want because we live in a patriarchy. So it's like, play the role, right? You have to, if you're going to play the game, you got to play according to the rules and the rules are set for men. So you have to lean towards the masculine. I think that's something that I did for a long time and I'm still working on, especially in dating, not doing that. Like the other day, um, a guy that I have seen a couple of times, he offered to bring me dinner because I had mentioned that I was a little stressed out about something. And my first reaction is no, 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 no. I don't need that. I don't need you to bring me like, what do you mean? I don't, And then I was like, you know what? This person wants to do something nice for me. That's so nice. Why wouldn't I accept that? And so I cooks for me. He's a keeper and he does the dishes. You got to go with the guys who want to take care of your needs. And just the fact that he realized that you were stressed and you needed some comfort. Right. That's like such a beautiful human thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think maybe you should think about 
but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to influence you, but I know, I know absolutely what you're saying, right? It's really hard accepting the masculine and the feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, But that also that's, and I've talked about this a lot. I read this book, a woman's guide to power, and it's about dominant versus submissive. And so it's sort of about that same thing. It's like, we can be dominant and submissive. We can be masculine and feminine. We can be all of these things all at once. And it doesn't mean that we're, you know, not a real woman or not a real man. When my son was little, he loved silky things. Anytime I would wear something silky, he would touch it and be like, mommy, it's so pretty. He had a lift and it was like, um, and he loved the color pink. And so he had pink shirts and his first teacher, his pre-K teacher, she was the best teacher that he ever had, but she crushed his spirit. He came into school with a pink shirt and she was like, you know, pink is for girls. (gasps) And I was in such an uproar. And I think the only thing that held me back, like I talked to her about it, you know, uh, very nicely, obviously, (laughs) you know, and, 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 you know, she was an immigrant too. And so like a lot of old world ideas about masculine and feminine, like my mom would be like, you know, doing the dishes is your job, but taking out the garbage is your brother's job. You know, like why, (laughs) like, why must we be divided by gender? You know, and I was like, you know, he loves the color pink. And I think that, you know, colors are for everyone. Yeah. I loved black. I lived in nothing. Oh, I'm wearing black. It's got some, but I lived in black for like almost two decades. I didn't own any other color. And it was like, what are you going to say that black and maybe gray are not like that makes for me women. masculine, right? Like I'm less of a woman or whatever. Like you can't kill a kid's spirit. They pick up on all of these nuances, people, mm-hmm. you know, these tiny little things. And it starts young, right? It's that mm-hmm. message that you can't be this way because that's a girly thing. All the years that I taught him one thing, that one moment is like. Takes it away. Cancel now it away. he's wearing lavender and pink again, Good. but it's been so. But he had to develop years. confidence. He had to develop enough confidence that it could, you know, be greater than that, that idea that that teacher planted in his mind that this is not for you. You know, he had to, he had to say, okay, you know what? I, I heard that and I'm going to choose not to agree with it. And I'm going to wear it. I actually saw a meme today about this little boy who liked to wear dresses. Mm -hmm. And he, he, did you see that on Instagram? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I, I love to wear dresses, but I can't wear them to school because the kids say that dresses are for girls and blah, 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 blah. And it was so cute. And it's okay. And, and it's like, you know, we might as well support and embrace it because it's going to come out. Like if this is part of who they are, it's going to come out one way or the other. So why not just be supportive? The world would be such a much better place Mm -hmm. if we were to allow people to embrace both of their masculine and feminine without putting judgments, limits, and boundaries. Because, you know, you never know who you're going to develop. Life is a journey and we're all here to grow. Mm -hmm. And there are things about the 13 year old me that by 16, I was cringing, you know, by 21, you're like, what was I thinking by 48, which I am now. Well, now you just (laughs) Google about it. 
right? You giggle about it, but you grow, right? Your tastes change, your things change. There are some things about the 13 year old me that that are still very much about me and those will never change, but a lot, you know? So when you're limiting someone, when you're shaming them about their preferences or likes, you're limiting so many other possibilities about them. It's not just about the color pink or not wearing a dress. It's telling them that there's something wrong with who they are fundamentally. And then they stop, you know, believing in themselves and, and they start questioning everything. And that's when it becomes, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I enough period? Right. And then they, you know, in the shaming of yourself is when you end up hurting others, right? It's because you're angry and then you project that anger onto the world. And that doesn't, that doesn't have to be, you know? And it makes me think too, how many ideas have been sequestered or lost because people have been so afraid of expressing themselves? or so insecure about what goes on in their mind or their desires or their beliefs or their preferences. Right. And so like, if everybody was free to express themselves, whether that means wearing a dress or painting a picture, you know, then how many, how much more beautiful art would there be in the world? How many more amazing ideas or solutions would there be in the world? You know, and how many more happy people would there be in the world and interesting people? Humans are so crazy and weird. Like, let's, let's see it all. That's exciting. We've wiped out entire civilization. Did you read Sapiens? No. Oh, I'm reading it now. (laughs) That's what they talk about. Send it to me and I want to read it. I'm so interested in things like that. You know, like I was thinking about the Mayans and things that we burned so much knowledge, math, science, right? How many free thinkers, people who understood, had a bigger understanding of the world in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've been silenced or killed off. I mean, even with women to think that I saw this documentary on Judge Bader Ginsburg and like, you know, like things that women weren't allowed to do. And it was the seventies and you're like, what? Yeah. And the fact that we as women are being pushed back into that direction, you know, pretty soon we will not have a voice. I don't want it to be that. Yeah. I don't want it to be where, you know, we don't have ownership of our bodies and what happens to them. We don't have a voice. Forget about, you know, sensuality or sexuality because all of that, that's not even, you know, for the male gaze, for the male pleasure, nothing about you. You know, I've met women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who have no idea where their clitoris is. They've been taught that their body is dirty, you don't touch, and then nobody touched them there because the men, right? Like, you don't really talk about a woman's pleasure, especially back then. But do you about it now? I bought my kids this book and they laugh at me. They're like, mom, it's called It's Perfectly Normal. And it's an illustrated book. I think that every parent should, you know, investigate for their kid. And people are like, oh, it talks about a lot of things, you know, when you bought this for your kid two years ago. And the reality is they take from it whatever they're going to take from it at that age. Right. Answer the questions honestly without having to be like too explicit or whatever, but always be honest. Always be honest Mm -hmm. because 
sometimes, like, especially my son, his mouth, he'll throw things at me. And then I realized he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's heard somewhere these terms, right? And he's going to continue. And then I sit him down. I'm like, do you really know what this means? He's like, no. And then I explain it. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I'm never going to say it, you know? Um, So I think that when they know the truth, when they're empowered, and they learn not just about their bodies, but about the opposite sex bodies, right? What it means to be a woman and a girl, have your period. What does that entail? But also how miraculous are to appreciate, if you're a boy, to appreciate the female body. And if you're a a girl, to appreciate the boy body and to appreciate everybody's body. But it's like, we, we, I feel like men have never been taught and boys have not been taught how miraculous a female body is. Women haven't even been taught that, you know? And so I think if, if there, if we teach respect in that way and appreciation, then I think. I think that the biggest gift we would be able to do is to take the bodies at face value without sexualizing every body part and shaming every body part, Mm -hmm. realizing everybody has them. They all look different. And they're all beautiful in their differences, right? You go to Europe and you see like a shampoo commercial, but the woman is naked or the man is naked mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. And they're like, oh, kids are seeing that. Well, that's a good thing because kids are like, that's a human body. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what somebody looks like in the shower. And it's not right. a sexual thing. It's like, that's a human the body. matter of fact thing. Yeah. It right? exists it's, every day. You see right? it's people not like, with it oh my God, it's Mm -hmm. like, that's natural. And that's cool. You know, and I think that the way that women are being treated and portrayed and this backward slide that we're taking, you know, I'm seeing a lot of things on social media, on the platforms, where anything having to do with the female sexuality and the female body is completely, you know, shadow banned. Just a quick break to remind you that this podcast is possible because of Audacious Founder Business Coaching. If you're an entrepreneur looking to build your business bigger and make more of an impact on this world, I am offering you a free 45-minute audacity session where you will audacify your vision and your goals and you will develop action-oriented strategies that take the overwhelm and the frustration out of manifesting exactly what it is that you want. If this sounds exciting to you, send me an email to hello at audaciousfounder.com and tell me about your audacious vision. Don't forget to include the code podcast to get your free session. to do with the female sexuality and the female body is completely, you know, shadow banned. banned. Oh, well, maybe you've been experiencing this because the woman, her name is Nikki, that I did my boudoir photo shoot with. She told me on TikTok, they're like removing all of her photos. Yep. Absolutely. So I, I never got into the TikTok thing. I'm 
totally oh. afraid of video and whatever. But you're but not having that problem on Instagram at least, right? I am oh, on Instagram, are. on Facebook. Um, like even in the last six months, right. the audience that they're showing my stuff to, or I'll use a wrong keyword. And sometimes you're like beautiful or whatever, like that's a wrong thing. And it's like, you know, for the safety of our audience, we are blocking this keyword, right? So anything have like, God forbid you show a nipple, even on right. Facebook, it was this thing. And I hope this is okay. If you do this, mm-hmm. banned. But if you do this, that's okay. Cause you're not touching yourself in a way that's implying something. Right. <laughs> and then there's also that double-edged sword, right? Cause like things are okay. You know, if you're a recognized celebrity or you have an account right. that throws a lot of money your way. Right. So at the time that I started seeing, you know, this thing called shadow banning and things being hidden, you know, from view just for using, you know, boudoir photography keyword or whatever, then there's like a, huge you know agent provocateur and they're having this super racy super suggestive commercial right but they're allowed to do it because well that's a lot of money that they're probably spending in advertising and it was everywhere it was plastic like all over instagram facebook like you couldn't miss it and then you could tell just the way that it was made that it was like, well, whose gaze is this made for? Right. <laughs> is this for the boyfriend or husband who's going to buy that lingerie for the you know girlfriend wife? That's then really for that. Like, it was this whole thing where I was just like, this isn't cool and it isn't fair, mm-hmm. and it's always that virgin Madonna dichotomy, you know the pure and the slut like all of those things all of those labels and then on top of that you know the little guy trying to do you know art or or the little woman uh trying to do the art and you know support other women and then the big corporation with tons of money well that's okay yeah that that's not cool that's not fair and I see it all the time, you know, with like lingerie companies that are always yeah. in my feet and whatever. And it's like, that's a lot spicier and saucier than things that I post. How is that okay? Um, so then you have to tiptoe that line, right? That's frustrating though, because you have to be concerned every time you make a post, if it's going to get banned, that's, that's annoying. And then it's not just that post that gets banned, then your account gets flagged and then your posts like six months like I hadn't posted in a year my daughter was really sick I took a huge step back from social media um and I was like I need to concentrate and social media is such a huge time suck and so I was like I'm stepping away and the first post that I had made in a year reached most of my audience most of my followers and then within two weeks I'm reaching now I'm reaching a tenth a tenth if of my follower, they're serving, you know, I don't have a huge audience, but even so, and then what happened? Can't, can't really say I'm following the same rules and playing by the same algorithm or whatever. Why is this happening? And then I'm looking at my competition and I'm seeing similar trends where, whereas a post got a thousand likes, now it's getting a hundred. Where does that even 
Right. And like, you know, and it's not just one post. It's like a trend where you're seeing no, you know, nobody's seeing your post on Facebook. Nobody's seeing your post on Instagram. So it, it's really disconcerting because it speaks, it speaks to a, a bigger thing that's yeah, happening the in the outer verse about how women's body, sexuality, and Not sexuality okay. are being censored can't do that yeah that's not your place that's not your role you can't you know I'll be here trying to do it for as long as I can (laughs) um because at the end of the day too it's like you reach an audience well if a tree falls in the forest then there's no one there to hear it (laughs) that tree so that's you know become very frustrating and I'm hoping somehow that, you know, people will step up and people will vote and people will try to keep the rights that we fought for so long to have about our autonomy and our voices that now it seems they're being silenced from a lot of different places at once. It even makes me think of like, you know, will we women as business owners, as powerful figures in government, all over the world, you know, this country, will we be allowed to keep those positions of power? How far will it go? Right. And those are questions that, you know, as a parent, parent of a girl, you know, and I say that just not that it won't affect men too and boys, but especially yeah. when they're parent of a girl, you're like, I want to know that there is a future where women and men are allowed to be who they are right as a whole human being right so yeah i it's like it's hard for me to even think that we could go i mean we are going backwards but like it's hard for me to accept that and like really believe that that's happening because i just feel like we have come so far you know and i feel like there's so many strong outspoken women now in positions of power that it's like how I can't imagine a world in which we go backwards, but there's all of these creative ways to disempower and control. I mean, COVID caused me to close multiple businesses, right? So now, and and like that being a conspiracy, like the shutting down of the country and, and the world and whatever, like there's talk of that being conspiracy. And so it's just there are ways to control that are so subliminal that sometimes we don't even realize that we're being controlled. And that's, that's what's scary to me. And, and it can be so, um, what's it called? It can be so like small, these little tiny changes, these blips on our radar that we don't even really notice until boom, like now women can't own businesses or now, you know, the vice president has or to a bank account. Down or a bank, right? Like all of these things, it's, it's one tiny little change at a time. It's that decision to, to reverse Roe v. Wade. It's like all these tiny little things happening. Like for example, in, in Venezuela, my, um, ex's parents, right. It's, we adapt. So they, all of these bad things were happening in Venezuela that impacted their, their way of life, but they kept staying there and they kept adapting because that's just what you do, right? Like, oh, it's only going to be temporary. It's only, it's not going to be forever. 
but then it was forever, you know, it has been forever now and they've had to leave their country. And so what if something like that happens here? The crazy thing is I'm, me and my family, we're political refugees from Romania. We came from a communist country and I know firsthand things that could happen to you, you know, if you spoke out against the government, if you even made a joke, just the fact that we live in a political climate where our freedom of speech is being taken away. There is now a governmental committee funded by our tax dollars that, you know, judges disinformation and people who speak out against the very things that you and I are talking about right now could be labeled as domestic terrorists. Hmm. Now, you could bring a gun to a supermarket or forget that, a school, blast a bunch of people, kill kids, kill adults, and you're not labeled as a national terrorist. But if you speak out against these things that, you know, someone in power in this moment says that you cannot question, <laughs> you cannot speak out against, you cannot even mention because then you could be a terrorist because you're spreading disinformation, mm -hmm. right? That's frightening because those are the very totalitarian tactics that you would see, you know, in a very authoritative regime where before long, well, there is no freedom of speech. You cannot make any jokes. You will be informing, you know, on your brother or your mother. And then, you know, women who need to terminate their pregnancy for one reason or another, sometimes kids who need to terminate their pregnancy are then you know, what put in prison for life or, you know, like we talk see, about see, that makes that, that makes me laugh almost because that, that idea is so foreign to me here. I mean, at least, yes. like, you know, right. Exactly. And, and you think, you know, this is not some, you know, religious, uh, you know, country where you have you know zealots that do atrocious things to women you know in that backwards country over there it's yeah. this country over here yeah that's nuts that we're going to go backwards in time and and then it's like you it's it's this step but it's like a domino effect right so you know is it abortion and then is it the morning after pill and then is it you know, contraception, and then is it any kind of education about reproduction and, re you know, because according to my mom in Romania, like, if your mother didn't tell you about sex and how babies are made, well, you're not going to know. <laughs> There's no such thing as prophylactics. There's nothing to stop a pregnancy. Um, and then, God forbid, you know, you get pregnant and she's like, you know, here's the crazy messy truth that in instances like that, you know, if you're having a miscarriage, then you're going to have a government official in the room who is going to sit there with a doctor to judge whether or not you did this to yourself before they attempt to even save your life. And that's what was happening. After, you know, we left Romania, a friend of hers was telling me, that every three months they would round them up at work, all the women in the country, at the job, they would come in 
and you would get a gynecological exam to make sure that you weren't pregnant. It would be, can you imagine the invasion of your body having every three months to have somebody check you out to make sure that you're not pregnant? Because if you were pregnant, well, who's, who's the father? If you're not married, who's the father? And then what's happening with this pregnancy? So as I was watching The Handmaid's Tale. That's what it was reminding me of. That's exactly what I was just thinking about. I was like, you know, my mom lived through that. Her friends lived through that after we left. It's unthinkable. You're like, wait, this stuff doesn't happen. not real. But it is real. And then I'm sure we're going to see this in a lot of states where abortion is going to become illegal, that there will be people who will not care about the mother. They will sit there and judge, well, how is this miscarriage or whatever is happening, you know, happening before they would stop the mom from bleeding out or whatever the consequences that could happen, which also means that then we become just vessels right vessels who then take on all the responsibility right mm-hmm. of of that action maybe you didn't know that you were pregnant maybe the condom broke maybe the condom slipped off maybe the person that you're with insisted not but to wear one and still be punished for having sex to begin with and, and not just punish right because that's a lifelong thing yeah. right having a child is a lifelong thing that yeah. is a responsibility and then well, where is the dad in all of this? I think that if we were to create a more equal, right, embracing the masculine and feminine, well, then you got somebody pregnant. Now you have to support this child, you know, not just financially, but also, you know, in their education and their spiritual well-being and their, right? The onus has to be, it's, Not that we as women always have to pay (laughs) for things that, you know, we want to happen or things that happen to us. It has to be equal. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, brings us to so many other things that happen, like, you know, sexual abuse and rape and whatever. Like, even this ridiculous, you know, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial, Mm -hmm. right, brings into question how... It's really sad that, you know, you have a Me Too movement that's supposed to empower women and give them the voice that they didn't feel like they could have for so much time. And it's such a positive thing. And then somebody would capitalize on, right, capitalize on that, you know, to like dirty it up and and make it. It invalidates it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, oh, we were right all along. They, They turn it into a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it's such a huge thing, I don't know, All like sometimes my mind will go to conspiracy theories. It's like, well, maybe there is a reason why this is so big and it's happening Yeah. to then take but that's away what I from mean. Our- like we're not even conscious that that could be like some and, sort of a tactic or a strategy. And, and that very well may be. Right. And when, and what it does too, is it for, especially for women too, it will make us question any other woman. So it's like, now we can't even stand up for each other because look what happened here. You know, I think that a lot of the reason why we've 
don't feel empowered is because I think one of the tactics of patriarchy is also teaching women to tear other women down. Totally. Instead of celebrating, and they're doing that, you know, even as a mother to a daughter, like, you know, like, this is your role in this patriarchal, you know, like, you listen, you play by the, right? Because, you know, like, going back to school, right? A feminist school, I did a lot of feminist studies. And, you know, I was looking into like the feminist movement and the gay movement as pertaining to women. And even within there, it was like, okay, so even looking at the gay movement in the seventies, it was like, well, you're not lesbian and you're not gay if you're bi. And then if you're like, you know, that was, then it was like the butch femme. And then it was like, do you allow penetration? And then like, even with that, it was so segmented and right. like groups like against each other. Like, so you're not this enough, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not a feminist. Well, that happens not- with race too. Like so many black people are, are considered not black enough by their community. Yeah. I think that all of these are tactics to keep people from banding Separated. together. I think yeah. that, you know, people realize that there's so much power to be had of people banding together and putting aside yeah. their differences and celebrating each other and standing up and keeping each other's backs that, you know, we take on the world and literally, right. And probably for the better, like if we were to be like, okay, I'm going to, embrace everything. I'm not going to tear other people down. Let's see what happens. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to do with the community that I'm trying to build for audacious founder is that I want women to stop looking at each other like competition. I want women to stop thinking that there is only enough space for a certain number of women or a certain type of woman. Um, and I want us to start creating our own opportunities and sharing them with each other. So yeah, I mean, and I've always exactly. felt that, you know, being in your spaces, it was such a welcoming and like thriving environment for other women, right? And it was like so much acceptance and love. And I miss you so much. I can't I believe you're too. so far away. I know. And I think that, you know, the work that you do is so important. I think that you should keep it up. It's like we're one person, but we can affect other people in our journey. And we should be able to do so in a positive way because then those people can affect other people. Exactly. Right. So now a, a positive domino effect. Right. Right. Teaching women about money, teaching women that it's okay to be successful. Yeah. That was another work that was massive for me. And I, yeah. I don't want to, I've never envied anyone. I looked up to you when I met you. I was like, wow, she's got her shit together Um, because I always had that struggle because I always thought like money is dirty. And what does that mean? Right. And doing the doing a lot of work to be like, first of all, money is infinite. Money isn't dirty. You could do so many beautiful, powerful things and affect people, you know, in a positive way, you know, starting with your own family. And that's important right? Taking care of yourself, taking care of your loved ones, taking care of other people who can't, right? Right. Donating charity, all of those things happen because money is beautiful. It's how you use it that could be muddied up. But that was hard work for me to do and start accepting. That's also a way to control, right? You're a woman, money's dirty. Don't try to get money because money is power. 
gold digger. Have, gold yeah. digger comes to my right. She's a gold digger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a gold digger because I accepted a free meal from this very nice guy who wanted to bring me a meal, right? Like maybe that's why I wanted to say no, because I don't want to be a gold digger. I don't want to be somebody who uses somebody for things, right? I think of that, you, I think that you are a goal digger. I am. I am. There's Not a podcast a called Gold Digger. It's a good name. I know. I yeah. know. And it yeah. always makes me think yeah. of you. You are one of the most badass women I've ever met. And so much awe, right? Like, you know, you got your stuff together. We all have things that we're yeah. like, but instead of again using like envy, it's look up to. Right. What can I learn from this person? What can I learn from you? Yeah. Share your knowledge. Right. And you do that, which is amazing. Right. I think what's also important is to think about it both ways, like the two way street. Right. What can I learn from this person? And also, what can I give to this person? How can I contribute to what they're doing? Right. I think that that's the thing, too, because I think um, sometimes when we think about admiration, we think then if, if this, if we're admiring this person or something about this person, then it must mean we're inferior in some way. And, and I think that we need to make sure that's not what we're thinking, right? They have value. And so do I, how can I maybe get something from them in, in a way that's going to make what I'm doing better or, and then how can I give to them to make whatever they're offering to the world better? Or how can we just create something entirely new together, right? There's no competition. There's no jealousy. There's no inferiority. It's just value and working together and creation. Absolutely. It brings us back to all the way to the beginning when we started talking and it's like, you don't need to compare yourself to the person standing next to you. You take care of your own soul and spirit, right? And, and just emanate out into the world. Yep. It's powerful and, and it's attractive, right? Yeah, and, it and does that attract. A lot of things, right? It attracts. It absolutely attracts. It abs- So the I'm hosting an event at the end of this month and I was a little bit worried about attendance, right? And at a certain point, I had sent out a lot of DMs to women on Instagram that I had just like looked up hashtags of, you know, things that had to do with finance, CPA, accountant, finance, blah, blah, blah. And I sent out a bunch of messages. Nobody got back to me because we weren't, like friends already or followers or whatever. So I think my messages went into hidden. Mm -hmm. Right. And so at like, not at the last second, but like, you know, when I kind of thought, okay, well, I'm not going to get a response from any of those people. I did get a response from one woman and I included her in the event and she has now invited like a mass of people. So again, it's that attraction, right? It's like, I'm, I'm putting this out there and I'm attracting what I need. I'm attracting what I need. Yeah. And I think that you would attract even more if you don't say to yourself, this is not going to happen. True. Right. You got to say this will happen. I have faith. It's already happened. It was amazing. Well, that's what I was trying to do too. And I was trying, cause I was getting anxiety when I would look and see that there weren't a ton of people registered. I was like, okay, don't worry don't worry. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I just sort of kept putting it out of my head. Like, don't, don't take up space in here. Don't waste time thinking about this because you know, you do what you can do. You take action, how you can take action and then you let it go. And it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Don't worry about it. 
And so, yeah, I've attracted it. But I also wanted to say, like, thank you for saying what you're saying about what I'm trying to do. It's it's really nice to hear that. Um, And I also feel that same way about you. And especially after hearing you speak, I think doing these photos, like I think doing this type of photography, photography for yourself is really important. And I think people might not think that women might not think that. And, and especially when I hear you saying that so many women are doing them as a gift for a man, you know, I think that we need to do them as literally part of our self-development, not even as a gift to ourselves, not as a gift to somebody else, like part of our self-development, we have to see ourselves in different light. And we have to see ourselves in a way that we can look at that image and be like, damn, she is beautiful. You know, you don't ever have to put it out into the world. You don't need to have the validation, right? right? It could just be something that lives on your phone. Right. And you open up like, I, I, you just look at it every once in a while, remind yourself, right? Like you open it up and it's like, yep, I'm having a bad day. It's gray outside in New York city. I'm so sad. And I feel the, Oh, heck yeah. Oh Uh yeah. Mm, Got it. But but it's so empowering on so many levels that we wouldn't expect, you know, to talk, to hear you talk about how a woman comes in, who's felt less than not enough for 50 years, for 50 years, she's probably come to terms with the fact that, oh, I'll always be alone because nobody would ever want me because I am ugly. I'm the ugly duckling. Nobody would want me. I would feel sorry for whoever was with me. And then she goes on to change her entire life because now she is that empowered that she can quit this, like probably sounded like an awesome corporate job and do whatever she's doing because now she has that confidence, you know, and she values what she thinks is important. And that other woman who, even though she, you know, according to society, according to the community that she's Uh in, think that she's beautiful, but she still has this sense of inadequacy that she's not also not good enough, you know? And then she goes off and now she's, you know, working, she's getting paid for this thing that she didn't believe about herself. Like the reality is so powerful. And the reality about self-esteem, right? Is that no matter how many outside voices try to validate you, they will never be enough if you don't see it for yourself. Right. If if you don't feel validated in, you know, smarts, beauty, talent, uh, you know, athletics, whatever. If you put that hurdle, if you put that limit on yourself, the the world doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And and so that's that, you know, when you turn the light on, when you flip the switch and you're like, ah, (laughs) that aha moment. Yeah. Where then, you know, you could then validate yourself and and start believing the self-validation that's what it is and I think you know with you know finances and wealth and creation and everything else right you have to start believing you have to put the right and proper empowering labels right I am a woman yeah I am an artist I am a business owner oh I have (laughs) I have this other little subtle example so one of the speakers who's coming to the event at the end of the month we were talking and she said something about she has all of these side hustles right and then I changed that phrase side hustle I changed it to um 
of revenue streams, streams of revenue, right? What sounds better? Oh yeah, I've got like five side hustles or I've got five streams of revenue. What sounds better? And that's That's one, like I still say side hustle, you know? So that's one that I never even thought about. And when she said it, I was like, boom, click. I got it. Like, that's a perfect example of something so subtle. And there's nothing wrong with saying side hustle, right? But there is something about that that invalidates it a little bit. But when you say, I've got five, six, seven sources of revenue coming in, some streams of revenue coming in every month, filling up my bank account, there is something so much more, ooh, like hearty and legitimate about that phrase. And it's crazy, right? Because you don't think about that for yourself. A lot of times, right? (laughs) We could do for other people, we can't do for ourselves. Uh, But I think that sense of community and being allowed to speak to one another, I think that's what's so powerful and beautiful about women, right? The storytelling and the self-discovery that you find in that storytelling. You didn't even know I was there, but in speaking to somebody else and maybe like trying to help them, trying to elevate them, you're like, yes, this is what it is. And that's when you two become elevated. Yeah. And then that's also how you can then help other people because it has to click for you before you can teach it to somebody else. And I love that so much streams of revenue, side hustle. And that's another way to make you small, right? Side hustle. You're like, you know, like I'm doing my little thing, I'm doing my little thing, but it's not a little thing. I'm reading on Forbes and fortune and, you know, like ink about people's side hustles. And I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot more than my full time big ass hustle. Right. So why are you going to call it that? And good for that. Wow. (laughs) Like, I wish, right, you know, have a printout on Etsy that's going to bring me in 260000 as a side hustle. What? That's wait, not wait do you? Oh, no. I wish oh. I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you just manifested it. So start working on that. Now I'm like, what, what can I do as a printout on Etsy? That is nuts. <laughs> but it's these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. It. it And when you have a pandemic and you separate people and you bring up all these hurdles where people stop talking, stop gathering, right? And money becomes an issue, which is disempowering. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and then there's a baby formula shortage. Yeah. You can't even feed your child. How that that's the most disempowering thing I could ever think about. But to me, that's another tactic. And I'll tell you why. So in Romania, by the time that I left, you would get on a line and you didn't even know what that line was for. You That's just Venezuela. Knew. That's Venezuela. Yeah. It, it would be something that you needed. It could be toilet paper or, you know, some meat that other countries wouldn't import because it was tainted, but you're like, I haven't seen meat in a year or whatever. Right. It was like horrible. You keep the people hungry right there could all their focus now is not on like revolt and revolution and whatever it's like how do I feed my family and I, I'm and sorry that, against everybody else because if he has I need to get it from him exactly right and then you know when I visited Romania last and it's crazy to think that you know the revolution happened so long ago and they still haven't managed to clean up their act there are all of these dome buildings no windows almost like 
igloos and think of Bucharest as like Paris and then all of these igloo shaped buildings. And, you know, I asked my cousin who still lives there, what's that about? And he said, you know, the goal was to abolish uh, a marketplace where you would get food for yourself and you would have to show up for three meals a day in this communal kitchen, almost like a soup kitchen. Like how much, how much can you strip away the human spirit by taking away their ability to gather with their family and speak and eat together, right? You strip away the human spirit. That is literally like a fundamental part of being human is to like get food and feed yourself. (laughs) Well, the fundamental thing about being a mom is feeding your baby. And yes, Uh I breastfed both of mine and extended breastfed and I pumped at work, you know, where I lost my job pumping and whatever. Right. Um, But the reality is a lot of women can't afford to do that. They have a baby and they have to go back to work or, you know, whatever it's their choice. right? Right. Right. But the thing with breast milk is it's not an unlimited supply. If the baby stops feeding, then the body stops producing. And some jobs, it's impossible to bring your pump to work and pump on. Of course, exactly. Right. You, you can't do it, or maybe you don't want to do it, or maybe your body can't do it. There's some, Mm -hmm. like, as a woman, it should be always your choice, right? It shouldn't be a shaming of what you decide to do. Right. So here's your baby and you're not breastfeeding. You can't breastfeed. And now you're feeding your baby formula. And now there's a shortage of formula. You cannot feed your baby. You know, their bodies aren't ready. You can't feed them a steak. (laughs) Can you afford a steak? You can't feed them tofu. You you have to give them. And then it's that fear, right? As a parent, as a woman, as a mother, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my child? So then you're not thinking of, I need to fight for my other rights because you're too busy thinking, well, how am I going to feed my baby? Your, your wheels are spinning. How am I going to feed my baby? How am I going to feed my baby? That's your instinct. And then there's things happening all around you, right? It's all of these yeah. distractions exactly. that keep happening right. Right. that take you away from, well, here's a step and here's a step. And right. Until all you're of completely those steps. powerless. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I hope we don't soon come to be in trouble for even having this conversation. Like, that's how crazy <laughs> it's like, I, I, I hope that we as women for having this conversation right now, talking about our rights as women, our reproductive rights, our rights as mothers, our rights as business owners, as free thinkers won't get us in trouble. Why I should I do to be honest? I don't know what I would do if that like, I would move if I could move to a better place if that existed at, at, <laughs> in, in the moment. But also like, I can't live in a place like that. I, I can't, I can't. So it's like, can. what's That's the, the what's reality? The alternative? We, I we, would, we. I would, I think I would fight because it's like, at that point, it's like, I either fight or I like, end end myself because <laughs> I can't live like that. Absolutely. Or we find an island. Johnny Depp has 50,000, doesn't he? (laughs) He's got a reputation to repair. So maybe he'll be generous. (laughs) Be like, hey, Johnny, can we we go on one of your islands? Has he got multiple? I think so. I could be wrong. I don't want, I don't want to speak out of turn. The poor man has already had a lot of, you know, (laughs) slander gone his way. So I don't like, I feel bad about that. 
you know, there's so many islands out there. Let, let's find them and create our own society. Yeah, ah. I want to. I want Where to. we walk around with clothes or without, and we can take all the photos that we want. Now, I told you, now I'm comfortable walking without, walking around in front of people without. So, yeah. I don't want to hear the word slut come out of your mouth no. anymore. To think of yourself that way. Don't disempower yourself or other people. But, yeah, but it makes me angry. It makes me angry. Like I have two parts of my mind, right? I have the, the part, do, don't we? Yeah, that's watching. And then I have the part that's programmed. That's just like going about its business, replaying stories. And the part that's watching is like, what do you, what do you mean? Stop. Aren't you past that? Like, we don't believe that. And then, yeah, but. A lot of disempowered people have taken slurs that have gone their way and used it to empower themselves, you know? And so like, you're like, yeah, I am a hoochie mama. I am Watch a hoochie. out. I gotta take I gotta be a hoochie while I still can, which is also kind of a disempowering thought. Because, oh. because I mean, you could, if you're 75, you could still be a hoochie if you want. Why not? Listen. You're not a hoochie if you do a boudoir photo shoot. And I photographed women over 70. I photographed people who worked for, you know, the World Health Organization, uh, for NATO. I recently photographed, you know, a diplomat, uh, people in positions of power or people who are like, you know what? I'm the head of PTA. I can't have other moms shame me or, you know, like um, I'm a devout Muslim or I'm a devout, you know, whatever. And I've had every kind where it's like, no one can know that I've done this. Right. They don't even want the digitals. They're like that could leak out. They just wanted the experience of doing it you know, they'll get like an album and they know that I work specifically with boudoir, you know, companies who work specifically with boudoir photographers. I post-produce all my own photos, so it never goes out into the world. Mm -hmm. But I will definitely give you, you know, different examples of women across the board where I have permission so that, you know, we could interweave and, you know, those women who wanted to be celebrated publicly, I yeah. love to be able to do that because it's like, hey, they wanted that. And I love that. Yeah. I wish that more women would give me the okay because then you would be able to see every every woman is a woman who wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Every woman, regardless of you know shape, size, shade, age, nationality, religion, Will you please share your Instagram? Yeah, it's at Andrea with two E's because I'm Romanian, A-N-D-R-E-E-A, B, Balan, that's with two B's, two L's, uh, photography. Okay. And is your website the same? It's AndreaBBalan.com. Okay. Is there any other kind of social media that you want to share or any other link that you want to share? I don't really think so. Like I said, social media has kind of been shying away from me and I've been kind of shying away. It's a love. Maybe the really. website is the best place to find you then. It's the best and it's the best place to communicate with me. It's the okay. best to see, you know, blogs about other women that, you know, in their own voice, um, you know, testimonials from other clients. And of course you can find those on Google. And I think it's powerful because, a lot of women speak to the place where they were at when they did it. 
right? And how, you know, we talked about how, even though a lot of women do come in saying, I need to do this for myself, the ones who thought they were doing it for somebody else, it's that epiphany of, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm not doing it for somebody else. Yeah, I'm doing this for myself. So you'll be able, you know, to see that on the on Google and then some through my website, and you know, just find out more about me. One of the talks that we did about my love and passion for photography and boudoir photography that we did through the Fearless Communicators is up on the website. Oh, I can put that link in the show notes. That would be awesome. I would love that. And before I let you go, I want to ask you two more questions. So the first one is, what does audacity mean to you? I grown up with it to have a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you have the audacity to do that? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I look at it as a very powerful thing. Like, I believe that audacity is standing in your power and speaking your mind against all odds and other voices telling you that you shouldn't do that because that's not your place. Perfect. I love it. I agree. Yeah. Um, Okay. And last question. What is your biggest, most audacious goal going forward? I think that I told you that I struggled a lot with the idea of money and worth. Mm -hmm. And my biggest audacious goal is to be able to, first of all, travel the world and put on the retreats that I had started doing, you're thinking about and trying to create, to weave in my passion for travel and bringing my family in and, you know, bringing women on their journey in beautiful places and also creating, you know, wealth for myself. So then we could travel and do more of these things right to me life is a journey and traveling is a journey I think you learn so much about yourself and the people around you you know how much you are different but so much more how much you are the same and how our differences need to be celebrated when you travel and so my goal is to you know bring in my passion for travel for photography empowering women and supporting my family and weave it in together to a place where, yeah, I get to, you know, be on the world, move throughout the world and kind of bring my passion to other people. I did another podcast um, two years ago. I can't believe <laughs> I flew with a woman in the Netherlands who was like, as soon as this is over, you're coming to the Netherlands and you're going to do this here with me and with some other women. And I was like, heck yeah. And she's like, and I know some other women in Germany. And I was like, bring it. I want to be there. Thank you so much for all the time you gave me today. It was such an amazing talk. This might be, I feel bad to say that, but it might be my favorite one so far. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's also, well, I was definitely authentically myself because for, you know, most of it, I didn't even know we were recording. So I didn't say anything. (laughs) No, it was amazing from start to finish. And I like that. I like that we just like we didn't even jump into it. It just flowed into it. And then we couldn't stop. It was a runaway train. It was amazing. I liked it. I always feel that way. You know, when I'm in your presence, I think that you put out this magnetism into the world. And I'd like to say that I'm definitely part of your audacious tribe. Yeah, And I'm proud about that. Good. I'm happy to have you as part of the tribe. (laughs) first of a feather plug together (laughs) yes we do and we need to stay we need to stay together and teach our daughters too 
yeah. be audacious and don't care about, you know, being too much, too loud, too masculine, too feminine, too powerful, too, too, too sexual, sexy, seductive. I can't wait to see you soon and talk about the fun things that we could do together. Yes. Same. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. I hope that there were a lot of things that you could relate to, and I hope that you're not too scared of the future of our country. If you haven't done so already, please go to my website and sign up for my email list because that is how you will be alerted to anything new that I'm doing with The Audacious Founder, um, events that we're hosting, new podcast episodes, new blog posts, and coaching deals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. Please give us five stars and please share it with your friends. We need all the ears we can get. Thank you so much and stay audacious.